Welcome and thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in the NAHU's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. When looking for a partner to help grow your business, what if you could get all of the technology and resources of a large corporation while also enjoying the personalized service of a small, family-owned agency? Sound too good to be true? See for yourself at thebrokerageinc.com N-A-H-U. We hope everyone had an excellent 4th of July weekend, and we hope that all those who attended NAHU's annual convention enjoyed themselves. Thank you to all the benefits and insurance professionals who took time out of their schedules to come to Austin, Texas for what was both an informative and very fun experience. In case you missed it, the House of Delegates officially voted on a new name for our association, the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals. Will it be pronounced NABIB or NABIB? As the voice of NAHU, I have to say that the radio official answer is actually NABIP. Anyway, while we were in Austin, as I'm sure you all heard by now, the Supreme Court issued a decision in the case of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, effectively overturning Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey's previously established constitutional right to abortion access. On this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour, Marcy Buckner is here to discuss the implications of the Dobbs decision on our industry. So welcome back to the podcast, Marcy. Obviously, this is a controversial topic, but this ruling undoubtedly impacts the areas of the health insurance industry that NAHU is focused on. So can you provide listeners an overview of the court's decision? The Dobbs decision that came out just at the end of June as we were gathering in Austin, Texas for our annual convention basically allows for states to be able to determine abortion rights within their borders. And the way that this changes the law of what we've previously seen under Roe v. Wade was that it was interpreted as a constitutional right that was protected under federal law. This interpretation now of the Dobbs decision reviewing the Mississippi ban on abortion now says that states are able to make those determinations themselves so that we could have different rules in different states when it comes to access to abortion and different procedures. Now, it's important to note NEHU does not have a position on abortion or similar medical procedures. When we're talking about this, we're talking about it strictly from a benefits angle and what we could possibly see the impact of this decision having on benefits, especially those employer-sponsored benefits, which could fall into some sticky situations with possible conflicts in state and federal law. So that being said, what specifically is NHU concerned with following this ruling? We're watching really closely because ERISA, which is a federal law, oversees much of employer-sponsored benefits. 
if you're self-funded, you're overseen by ERISA. And in this case, the federal law supersedes state law. If you're fully funded, then you're not falling under ERISA and the state law supersedes. But with this, we've also currently seen some recent challenges to how ERISA plans could be subject to some state laws regarding benefits. And those challenges haven't all come out on the same side of the law. In Vermont, there was a challenge about setting up an all-payers claim database. And there, it was determined that the state law attempting to do so could not apply to those federal plans that were overseen by ERISA. But a couple of months later in Arkansas, a different decision was made with state law trying to regulate PBMs and their impact on ERISA plans. And there, the courts decided that the ERISA plans did have to coordinate and comply with the state law. So right now, we have differing opinions on how state laws can be applied to ERISA, and they're both coming from different areas of plan design. So it's difficult to say how a court would rule if we get into a situation where we have a state that bans abortion or bans certain procedures that are allowed under the federal ERISA law or required under those benefit designs. So we're looking out for some future challenges here that will be litigated through the states. We're cautioning folks when having conversations with their groups to make sure that they're they're having these conversations with employers, because this could be a huge impact on how we see the state and federal laws interacting. So what sorts of legal implications does this have for the state laws? And what actions do we anticipate states to make in response to this ruling? So as I mentioned, under Dobbs, now states have the rights to be able to determine what is legal within their borders. So to, to do so, if states are wishing to make changes, they are going to have to do so through the legislative process. So they don't have something already on the books or they don't have what were called trigger laws that would make a change to what is legal within their state based on Supreme Court rulings on these types of procedures. If they don't already have those laws on the books, then the state legislators are going to have to reconvene and make determinations if, if they so choose to change the laws in their states. What we're also going to see as an implication of this is we have already seen some employers saying that they want to provide travel benefits for people who have to travel out of state for medical care, and their intentions are specifically to cover this type of procedure. However, we do want to caution folks to be careful. If you do have a client that comes to you that wants to provide travel benefits, it, it needs to be very broad so that it's covering travel benefits for any type of procedure, not just something that's specific to abortion or, or things that are very similar to that. So keep in mind that providing some of these other types of benefits or lifestyle benefits could cause discrimination issues further down the line. So you want to make sure that if they're wanting to change their benefit designs because of rules within their state, that they're doing so in a very broad manner so that they're not creating issues where they could be violating other laws in an attempt to provide different types of coverage to their employees. So in the wake of this decision from the Supreme Court, do we expect Congress to pass any law that might affect 
this ruling? Well, there's been a lot of discussion about that, Dan. And if we look at this past congressional session, which we only have a few months left, it's been very difficult for either party to get anything that's very political or partisan structured through. We are still debating the reconciliation bill, Build Back Better. It's been over a year. So if we look at just the statistics of getting things done and the numbers and votes needed, it's it's not likely. It's also just not likely that they would get this passed to try to codify and make abortion something that is protected on, on the federal level through a law passed by Congress. I know there's been a lot of discussion about the possibility of bringing in the filibuster so that Congress and specifically the Senate could try to pass something without having to meet that 60 vote threshold in the Senate. Remember, there's a 50-50 split in the Senate on party lines. So there's been discussion that they would do away with that 60-vote majority requirement to try to pass something that would protect these procedures on a 51-vote majority, assuming that Vice President Harris would come and break a 50-50 split in the Senate. That's really not likely, even if they were able to change the rules in the Senate. It's also a big toss-up as to whether the Democrats could get all 50 votes lined up, and it's really not likely that we're going to see Republicans crossing the line and voting in favor of something like that is this politically charged this close to midterm elections. So as much as we've seen a lot of excitement in the news about Congress trying to take action on this, it just really isn't a likely possibility. There are possibilities that we could see some language added to bills trying to add this as a benefit for Medicaid or other types of government-assisted plans. But with this, it's also not likely because there are already currently rules that federal funds can't go towards plans that cover abortions or abortion services. So any amendments to try to do so for Medicaid and others will will come with um, huge barriers that they'll have to overcome to try to even make any of those changes. So it's not likely at this time. What we are seeing the federal government do, though, is we had HHS release a bulletin just kind of giving a reminder of essential health benefits and what's required under the EHBs to make sure that that is clear for plan designs, especially as we're going into open enrollment in just a couple of months. And then we're also anticipating some more information, either in the form of a bulletin or a notice from the IRS and DOL about the use of HSAs or FSA funds and what exactly can can those funds be used for? Can they be used for travel? Can they be used for other things in light of this decision? Because I know a lot of employers are getting questions about that as well. So while we're probably not going to see an act of Congress on this, we are seeing the federal government trying to provide more information, even if it's just reiterating what's already on the books, just providing some clarification for folks and and reminders of what benefits are to be covered. Will NHU be releasing any further resources for members to get a better understanding of the implications and impacts of this decision? Yes, we are planning our August Compliance Corner to 
focus on this. And again, focusing specifically on employer benefits and how the implementation of new state laws could possibly conflict with federal ERISA laws. And also looking at even kind of stepping aside just from that conflict, but also if employers want to offer travel benefits, how should those be structured and different aspects of this that you all should be aware of when discussing different options with your clients. We'll also touch just really briefly on the impact that this could have on the midterm elections and state elections. We all know that big political issues get big turnout at the polls, and this has incited a lot of feelings on both sides of the aisle. So it's left to be said in November, which parties will be turning out to vote based on these decisions. If you're interested in registering for our August 18th Compliance Corner webinar, you can go to NAHU.org and see the events calendar right on the main page and register from there. It is now time for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. So, Marcy, what are we toasting to this week? This week, we are toasting to all of you and and specifically those of you who were with us at the House of Delegates at annual convention for voting for our name change effective January 1 of 2023. The National Association of Health Underwriters will be known as the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals. So we are toasting to the future of the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals. Cheers. Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit NAHU.org.